if it just happens to be a white officer and if it just happens to be a black suspect, then you know that becomes our only focus. And I think that that part makes it um, an unfortunate loss of an opportunity because now we're not talking about those other relevant issues. We're not talking about training. We're not talking about management. We're not talking about leadership. Yep. We're only talking about race. And then we lose the ability to, to, to move forward in a, in a more productive way. listening to the Black and Blue Podcast, a discussion and celebration of the roles of African Americans and other minorities in U.S. law enforcement. Your host on the Black and Blue Podcast is Dale Peters, a law enforcement professional with over 20 years experience in the business. Hop on board this Black and Blue train of interviews, current events, and pop culture conversations. So get ready. The Black and Blue Podcast is coming at you right now. Hey, Black and Blue fam, welcome to the Black and Blue Podcast. This is the Black and Blue Streetlight version where I take the Black and Blue Podcast out of the studio and into the streets. Thank you for joining me today. My name is Dale. I appreciate everybody for checking it out. I'm in this beautiful facility in San Bernardino. But before we get to that, let me ask you all, hey, make sure you click those like, subscribe, and uh, all those bell icons right there on the YouTube channel. And check me out on all my social media pages. You can find me everywhere at Black and Blue US. So again, like I said, I am right now in the streets. Well, not in the streets, right now. I'm at a facility at the San Bernardino, California Police Department, and I got a very special guest for you here today. Everyone, please help me welcome to the show, Chief Darren Goodman. Thank you. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great, doing yeah, great. Quick. How you doing? I right, appreciate that, right, I'm doing yeah. well. This, this has been a long time coming. We've been trying to, to, hook, to link up here, but uh, we finally got to it. And so how, how's your day? How's you, how you doing? Today? Everything's going great. The day's going good so far. So uh, far yeah. Always busy here in San Bernardino, but I'm, yes. I'm really happy to be here. And I, I apologize that it's taking us so long. I know we no, tried absolutely, to coordinate absolutely. this for a long. I, I know you're a busy guy and uh, you're, you're a brand new chief here over at San Bernardino. How long you been here now? It's been approximately eight months. Okay. Uh, I started in June, um, and it's uh, you know been been a great ride so far. Great organization, a lot of great people here, uh, lots lots of new things to do and, and to achieve. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely talk about what's going on over here in San Bernardino. Um, but where'd you come from? You were so my last uh, my last assignment was in Upland. I was the chief of police for Upland, California, or the city of Upland rather, and uh, I was there for almost four years. Uh, prior to that. I was with the San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department where I did 27 years before I retired uh, as a captain there. In my last station, I was the uh, chief of police for the contract city of Chino Hills. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. So, so how was that experience over there at the uh, Sheriff's Department for 27? It was fantastic. I, um, I, I learned a lot, had a, had a lot of great experiences, a lot of great assignments, um, have, have a lot of uh, good memories there. Um, still, you know, very much involved with the Sheriff's Department um, now more than ever, you know, being here. Uh, San Bernardino was the, the, the namesake, the county seat you know, yes. of, of yes. the county. So we do a lot of work with the Sheriff's Department. We have a lot of jurisdictions that intertwine with one another. Uh, but, but when I was there, you know, I worked a variety of assignments. I worked, um, you know, obviously street level patrol, worked narcotics, worked SWAT, um, worked emergency operations, uh, did a stint in internal affairs, um, worked fugitive apprehension, um, 
worked as the commander of the training academy uh, for for several years. Yeah, I think that's where I first met yeah, you at, yeah. the, at the training academy. Yeah, right. years ago. Yeah. So, so it was it was a great ride. Uh, I think I've probably worked every assignment that anybody would ever want to work. Um, you know, so um, great career, and uh, it culminated, like I said before, with me being the captain at the uh, Chino Hill Station. Okay. And the captain of Chino Hill Station is that kind of like in the sheriff's department? You're kind of like the chief of yes, that city? Yes, exactly. Uh, because we contract with several cities, Chino Hills being one of them, one of the ones that we've had a, a very long contract with, I think it was 25 years when I was there. And uh, as a contract city, they're, they're having, they have the ability to have a full service police department that is just provided through the sheriff's department. Right. So I was their, their chief of police. Okay, all right. And, and how was that experience for you? I'm sure you learned a lot. It was, it was, it was good. You know, it, it actually provided the platform to give me the experience of being a municipal chief of police. You know, that was where I first uh, began working with city councils, you know, understanding the, the, the relationship that a city police chief must have with the city manager, mm -hmm. um, you know, developing the, the, the tools to engage the community and understanding how, how all those dynamics worked because that was, that was the first experience that I had with them. Yeah, yeah, because being a chief of police is all about the politics, right? Well, not all about the politics. So. There's, there's a lot of politics involved, but as a chief of police, you try not to be political, but you, you certainly have to have a, a political acumen. And, and that means understanding, you know, A, how politics drives the job. Uh, and influences the job, even if it's just from legislation. Uh, you know, that's important. You know, it's important to be aware of. But then there's those political nuances, and those, those things are those um, things that you know will impact a particular council member or a particular, you know, phone call or notification to um, the members of the council or your city manager. And just trying to be out in front of those things and understanding that if it makes a phone call to them, it's probably going to make a subsequent phone call yes, to me. Yes, so, yes, so you yes. need to be aware of that. Okay, all right. And so now you're the chief of police over here in San Bernardino. How's that transition been? Uh, pretty seamless, actually. Uh, you know, I, I came here with um, high expectations because I knew, you know, having the history of working with the sheriff's department and working the same area, essentially, very familiar with the department. You know, I knew that the San Bernardino Police Department had a great reputation of being a high-functioning organization, and I haven't been disappointed. You know, it's, uh, it's every bit that, you know, lots of great officers, great talent. Uh, we do a lot of things, uh, and, and I'm surprised of how much we do with um, limited resources, and, and uh, it's been nothing short of spectacular. Knows that limited resources only because of the climate we're in in 2023 across the nation, really, police department. You know, I think um, I would I would be um, remiss if I didn't you know point back further than that. Uh, I mean, we've certainly had some some issues that that are affecting everyone, but I think that we're unique in that we're probably the only city that's dealing with all of the issues from the pandemic, um, all of the issues with you know the the social justice movement and the onslaught of, of you know, police reform issues that have made our business less attractive. Yeah. But the thing that makes San Bernardino unique is that we were dealing with all that on top of recovering from a bankruptcy in 2012. Right. And so while the city has moved forward tremendously and we've, we've made some strides to recover, um, you know, we were already in recovery mode and so then we compounded things with pandemic and then we compounded things with you know uh, a lot of other you know social changes uh, so you know i'm proud to say that we're, we're doing well 
but we have not recovered fully from staffing shortages. Uh, we've not recovered fully from you know equipment and uh, resources that that have been lacking. So where do you guys stand now as far as personnel? How, how large are you now? Well, um, my goal uh, is for us to to get back to pre-bankruptcy numbers, and that was you know somewhere around the area of three. 350 you know and for a city our size you know and with the you know level of activity that we have uh, if we were at 350 in 2012 and 2023 uh, we probably should be more than that but I'll accept the 350 you right, know, if right. we can get there but right now I think our numbers are, are right around 290 okay. you know and so so we're short yeah and when you guys went through a bankruptcy I know oh, you weren't here at the time but a lot of officers left. Yes. My department picked up a bunch of officers yes. here, and they, you know, they still have contacts here, and they tell me nothing but good things about you. Okay. What's what's been your your transition uh, with the troops here? You know, it's it's been, it's been, I I, I don't want to jinx myself, but it's been great. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, I think I think the biggest thing is understanding that um, it's all about the troops. You know, for me, um, you know, having you know come from you know a healthy know environment at the sheriff's department where you know it was a family environment uh, where it was understood that you know you have to take care of your people uh, that's been my mindset here you know and taking care of your people means you know giving them the tools that they need to do their job giving them the support that they need to do their job and then setting a standard you know that they understand and that's clear you know so everyone knows what that is uh, and then having expectations that people you know do what they're expected to do and I think most people thrive in an environment like that because it's it's there's no mystery you take all the mystery out of it and um, and then they know they're going to be supported as long as they're doing the right thing so that's 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 all I've done uh, and they've done the rest so absolutely absolutely and so you said you came from a healthy environment with the sheriff's department what, what kind of got you into this line of work to begin with Man, it was a fluke, really. You know, I, I wasn't the guy who grew up wanting to be a cop. Um, I, I, you know, I, I didn't, you know, play with police cars. I was an athlete, you know, okay. or want to be athlete. And, yeah, you, and, you uh, still look like you're in pretty good shape today. <laughs> I'm old and broken, but but thank you. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, you know the um, the thing that got me into law enforcement was um, you know when I was you know aspiring to go to college, I was I was actually interested in being a lawyer. You know, so I wanted to know take political science and uh, criminal justice um, as, a, as a backdrop for that and then um, you know at the, at the same time I was also interested in playing football well I was in, I grew up in Texas by the way and um, football in Texas is pretty competitive yeah, if you don't Texas know. Texas is king. <laughs> you know, so, king so that that um, I, I got a rude awakening um, when I was you know a pretty pretty good high school athlete but then uh, when I was you know, wanting to you know make that jump you know to the college level I realized that there were there were guys around the country that had been born and bred <laughs> to play football, right. you know. So uh, I, I wasn't I wasn't wasn't good enough, you know. So the bottom line is I had to had to have a fallback plan, and that was to go to school. Started doing that, didn't finish, um, you know. Decided to take a detour and start working, um, and so when I went into the work field, um, I, you know. I don't know if you remember. I don't know how old you are, but there was a there was a huge um, recession that happened, and um, I was, you know, doing real estate, doing construction, and doing a whole lot of other little things. And uh, you know, I was out of work, and I was like, I needed a job. And one of the things that that I knew I wanted was a job that had some stability, because all the things that I was doing at the time was based on sales or based on uh, you know commissions and that sort of thing. 
or in construction and real estate, and it was based on the weather, based on you know what was going on. Yep. So I, my fallback was looking for a city job or something that had benefits. And so I was um, in uh, Inland Empire at the time, and uh, back then, you know, you, you didn't go online. You actually went in the paper to to, <laughs> to look I for a job. I remember that. Yeah. And so I ended up coming down to Fifth uh, Street in San Bernardino. That's where the Human Resources um, building was. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget walking in and um, asking the lady for the list of available jobs, and she gives me this list, and it had, you know, electrician, had, you know, maintenance worker, and all these different things. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do that, I don't want to do that. And it had deputy sheriff trainee. Well, I had to ask what that was. I didn't even know what it was. And she said, well, it's, you know, like being a, a deputy sheriff. I'm like, well, what's a deputy sheriff? I didn't even know what it was. You know, she said, well, it was like a, a police officer, but you'd be training, you know, to be a police officer and you'd go in the academy. And I sat there and looked at it for a second and I was thinking, well, I'll just do this just for a minute until, you know, the, things turn around. And, you yeah. know, because I need, needed a job, right? Yeah. So I'll do it for a minute and then I'll get out of this and go back to my normal, you know, work, right? So I fill out the application, do all of that, uh, you know, fast forward to get all the calls, do the medical, do the psych, do all the, the things necessary. And so now I'm in the academy. Well, I'm in the academy, but I'm still driving my pickup truck and I'm still doing side jobs and I'm still, you know, trying to think, or I, at least I think I'm gonna still hustle on the weekends and, right. and work my, my job, right? Well, learned very quickly that the demands of the academy didn't allow for that, so I had to commit. And I, I dug in and I committed uh, to, you know, the curriculum. I committed to the physical fitness. And, um, you know, it wasn't long before I realized that I had a niche, you know, for everything that, that was going on. I was, you know, doing well in the academy. And, um, you know, ended up in the, you know, the top five in my class. And um, I liked it. You know, it, it, it just, yeah. it, was, it was like, this is, this is, this is kind of cool, yeah. you know. Yeah. And so... That was it. You know, I had the bug. Uh, I was I was smitten. You know, by wanting to be a cop. So after that, everything um, you know was history. You know, I went yeah. to the sheriff's department and and had the the career that I described earlier, and uh, I've not had a single regret. But but my my way into the field was 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 not the traditional route yeah. at all. Yeah. And what did the family think about you taking on that job? Oh, that's another interesting thing. Um, my my mother um, was, eh, you know, just like any other mom. She yeah. was she was pretty ambivalent. Well, if you're going to be happy, <laughs> but my 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 father was was uh, was very much opposed. Um, he he was a businessman, and his his idea was that I should shouldn't work for anyone. I should you know continue you know trying to to do business, and so he he was he was very much you know opposed to the idea. But I think he finally came around. Okay. All right. So it was more like they didn't want you, they wanted you to be something more, have your own business or right. something like that. Right. Right. Your mom's obviously, you know, yeah. safety issue, you know, they, you know, yeah. her baby, she didn't want her baby to, you know, to get hurt or anything like exactly. that. Exactly. But yeah. nothing as far as, you know, civil rights or civil, you know, I, social I didn't, justice or I, anything I, like I that. Didn't, I didn't have that. Um, and and th- I mean, both of my parents were clearly from that, from that era. Yeah. Um, and, and they have, you know, some, some pretty dynamic, you know, experiences of their own. But, um, you know, they didn't have um, issues with, with 
being concerned about me being a police officer. You know, they were just the opposite in terms of understanding that anything that you want to do, you know, you can you can do and do well. But I also believe that they understood that, you know, if you're, you know, a proponent for change, you know, you can only make change when you're in the game. Yes, so. absolutely. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Be on the sidelines. You got to be in it. Got to be in it. Now, you got on, what, what year was that? 91. 91. Oh. No, 90, 90, 90, oh, I'm sorry, 90, yeah, 91, 92. Okay. So that was right around the, the L.A. riots and... Right, Rodney King, okay. Rodney King had happened. Uh, I think um, he... Um, it happened when I was in the jail, I believe, mm -hmm. yeah. What were your feelings back then about what was going on? It, that was the first major um, social incident that I'd experienced, you know, in terms of, you know, impacting police and the perception of police, um, you know, giving us a, a reason to, you know, reevaluate what we were doing. Um, you know, I remember very clearly, you know, there was some uh, training changes that were made. Uh, and it changed the discussions, you know, that were being had. You know, it, it obviously, you know, evoked some of those issues around race, you know, because of the race of the officers, race of, you know, Rodney King. Uh, but I, I um, wasn't on patrol yet, so it was, a, it was still a little distant for me in terms of being able to actually either A, relate uh, to what it must be like to be out there on the streets and encounter someone who you know you perceive as resisting, or to to you know really judge um, the the tactics. I knew that you know it didn't look right. <laughs> you know I knew that much. You know I knew it it didn't it didn't feel right. Um, and you know the the fallout afterwards you know was was a little more resolute. You know and that provided some clarity. Um, and obviously as as time went on and I became a little more seasoned in my profession, you know, I could make some clear distinctions that, you know, you know, everything. And fast forward to twenty twenty, we had George Floyd and all that. You were, you know, out of the streets again, you were in management, I'm sure. Right. What were your feelings when that went down? Uh, pretty pretty similar, you know, that um, you know, this was a you know, a, a catastrophic failure, you know, that um, you know, we as an industry suffered from. You know, um, I, I think that, you know, it's it's unfortunate that you know we you know look at those issues and the only lens that we look at it from is the issue of race, um, where you know I don't believe that you know that's that's the only dynamic at play. You know I think that a lot of times it's it's a training issue. A lot of times it may be a um, you know a personnel issue. You know like I would be interested to to examine some of those things and look at you know what other discipline issues did the involved officer have prior to what, what training issues you know did they have prior to you know what's the agency's um, management style and expectations you know I mean there's, there's a lot of things that come into it um, and then you know if it just happens to be a white officer and if it just happens to be a black suspect then you know that becomes our only focus and I think that that part makes it um, an unfortunate loss of an opportunity because now we're not talking about those other relevant issues we're not talking about training we're not talking about management we're not talking about leadership yeah. we're only talking about race and then we lose the ability to to, to move forward in a, in a more productive way right right and there are a lot of issues in our profession um, that we're working through right. um, you know nothing's perfect certainly not law enforcement absolutely but, you know we, we're, we're getting through them and when we identify those problems that's when you know we needed to act absolutely so, so absolutely that, but but you know you, you you mentioned identifying the problems uh you know 
to, to solve problems, you know, you have to first start with the proper definition of the problem. Okay. You know, and if we, if we define every single thing um, around, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the, the thing that we see externally, you know, black suspect, white cop must be racism. Okay. Well, if we start with the wrong definition, then we're not going to be on the right road to solving the problem. Okay. And, and I think, you know, many times, um, you know, we improperly define the problem. And, and if we don't define the problem appropriately, then we're never going to arrive at the appropriate solutions. You know, we can throw all sorts of money at it, we can throw all sorts of new rules, new legislation um, in trying to solve this ill-defined issue. You know, because we, we defined it wrong in the first place. So I, I, I believe uh, wholeheartedly that, you know, we, we have work to do. You know, and I believe that there's a lot of opportunity for improvement. There's a lot of opportunity for, for change. But I think that, you know, that should be measured um, the appropriate way. And um, I, I think, by and large, we, we haven't done that. And, um, you know, I think that we're, we're reacting to emotions as opposed to properly analyzing facts. And we're we're um, allowing the narrative to be driven, you know, by by you know external issues, and we're not we're not you know captively you know looking at you know what are the things behind these issues as opposed to just this one dynamic that we see in the forefront, which is you know two people who don't look alike, so it it must be race, yeah. and and I think that oftentimes that's not the case. Yep. I mean, unfortunately, what happened in Memphis, all those... That, that's another thing that will exacerbate that narrative. Uh, and, but even with that, you know, with them all being of the same race, you would think that that would be the aha moment that, hey, maybe, maybe this isn't just race if it can be five black officers and a black suspect. Um, but even with that, I, I heard, you know, folks trying to say that this was still some sort of derivative of, of you know, white supremacy. And, and I think that that just does us all a disservice. You know, I think what we, what we should be looking at are the things that I described before. You know, what, what were the training issues there? And, and, you know, from that incident, I've already heard, um, you know, haven't been able to verify, but I've heard that some of those issues have come up. You know, that they had lowered their standards, that they had implemented a waiver for felonies, that there were, you know, previously, educational standards that um, had been lowered to allow, you know, officers on the department because they were trying to close some of the gaps to satisfy diversity hires. And while diversity is important, and, and I seek to add to our diversity every opportunity I get, I will not lower standards to do it. Um, you know, I'd rather have a good cop than just a, a black cop or female cop or any other cop. I, I want a good cop. And I think that situation in Memphis, if those things are true, um, if, if they are true, you know, that is a, is a classic example of A, not properly defining the problem, and B, what is possible if we look at the right things, if we look at all those dynamics behind it and, 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 and really assess those things appropriately, and we can solve things. Yeah, absolutely. On the flip side of that, though, you know, all the departments across the nation are in need of, of bodies right now. And, you know, people don't want to be police officers for a right. number of reasons. Right. 
and some departments are finding that you know maybe they do need to lower some standards, um, drug usage and things of that nature. What, what are your feelings on that? Well, I'll I'll run short. Okay, I, I'm not I'm not I'm not a, a proponent of lowering standards. Um, I I think that you know we have to. When you say drugs, that's a broad <laughs> that's a broad description. Right. Um, I I believe that we have to evaluate marijuana, especially here in California, uh, because obviously, you know, there's legislation that's made it made it legal here, essentially. But, you know, it's still not legal federally. So I will not um, waver on that. Um, you know, we've we've examined, you know, things like, you know, how long ago, um, you know, where, where it used to be maybe an absolute now, now there's like, okay, well, if it was a year or longer, you know, that, that sort of thing. But everything else, you know, we have to understand. The public wants professional officers. You know, the public wants, you know, good policing. You know, even, even in the, the very epicenter, you know, of some of, some of the, these issues, George Floyd, you know, and, or we could even go further back to, to some of the things Michael that we talked about before, Michael our... Brown. Um, you know, Never before had you heard, you know, this defund police, abolish police rhetoric. But even after that started, you know, there was, there was, um, you know, a couple of surveys, um, or polls rather, that indicated that the majority of, of black people, over 80% of black people, did not agree with that. Yep. And the majority of them said, no, we, we want police, we need police. We just want good police. Yes. We want police that we can trust. We want police that we feel good about. So that's what I'm believing, and that's what I'm listening to. And that's what I hear when I go out into this community. I have tons of support from the black community, and uh, none of them you know, are of the belief that we need to get rid of cops. So my call then is to give them what they're asking for, and what they're asking for is quality policing. You know, not, not lowered standards, um, not, you know, taking away from the professionalism by allowing unprofessional behavior to either come in the front door or exist once it arrives. So, yeah, no, I, there won't be any lowering of standards while I'm here. Absolutely. So you just mentioned you've got a lot of support in the community. Have you met up with a lot of the community leaders? Yes, and yes, yeah, yes, how, How's that transition been for you, that it, experience been for you? No, know, it's, it's been... Um, Educational, you know, I get to talk to folks. I get to hear, you know, what their perspective is in terms of uh, their police services. Um, you know, some of some some of it historical, um, which which gives me an opportunity to understand, you know, some of the things that they've maybe not been satisfied with, um, and provides a roadmap for where we can make improvements. But overall, uh, it's been very welcoming, and it's been, um, you know, a partnership. You know, and that's what it's all about. You know, I think that as a police chief, you understand that you can't do it alone. You know, you need the, you need the support of your people internally, and you need the community support externally. And uh, both of those relationships, internal and external, is built on trust. You know, I, uh, the people that work for me in this building have to know that they can trust me. Uh, they have to know that, you know, the decisions I'm making uh, are for the good of the whole, not for me. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm as high as I'm going in the yeah. department, right? You know, so, so there's no part of me that uh, will benefit, um, you know, from being self-serving. You know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm where I'm going to be. But the rest of them have futures. You know, they have careers that they're trying to um, 
you know, have certain attainment. Uh, they have, you know, assignments that they want to achieve. They have promotions that they want to achieve. And so I have to look at all of the things that provide avenues for their success. And, and that means being clear, being transparent, and like I said before, you know, taking some of the mystery out of it, you know, which is, you know, making it, making it very evident what you have to do to be successful in this organization. And, you know, that, that's where the trust is established. Externally, you know, people want performance. You know, they, they hear, you know, all of the things that are happening nationwide, so they want to make sure, hey, well, is that stuff happening in San Bernardino? You know, well, what are you going to do to make sure it doesn't happen? So I feel those questions, and I answer them. And I like to, to provide them, um, you know, clarity on what we're doing here day to day. You know, I show them our work. I show them our, our, our data. We're very active on social media uh, because I believe in transparency. I believe that when people see what you're doing and when people understand why you're doing what you're doing, um, that bolsters more trust. So uh, the community support, uh, the community relationships and partnerships, uh, again, are important you know, for us to be able to do our job effectively because there's no police agency that can exist without you know, the, um, the credibility and, and the legitimacy that's provided you know, from the community support. Yep, absolutely. What, what's kind of the, the makeup of San Bernardino, of the city? Demographic. Uh, I think we're uh, majority Hispanic. I, I would say we're somewhere around you know over sixty percent Hispanic. Um, we're maybe twenty uh, percent you know white and around fourteen percent black, and then a smidgen of other you know. And I think our department um, uh, almost closely mirrors that. Okay. Uh, we're 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 low in our African-American numbers, uh, but that's not due to a lack of effort, you know, it's due to a lack of applicants. And we, we work hard, you know, to go out into the community and engage, you know, with the different community groups uh, to, to you, know, you know, seek and find, you know, those, those qualified candidates. Uh, we have a pretty robust recruitment uh, division and we're, we're you know, our, our, our Public Affairs Unit works very hard, you know, putting those messages out there that we're hiring and that we're seeking applicants. So we are probably at around, um, I think, six or seven percent, you know, African-American. Um, we major we're majority Hispanic. Um, we have, um, I think, around 12 percent Asian, if I remember correctly. So overall, when you look at Hispanics, Blacks, Asians and others, we're a majority minority department. And that's, that's something that, um, you know, is not well known, uh, that I'm, I'm actually yeah. proud to say, you know, so that, you know, people who believe that, um, you know, we're, you know, a, a all white male, male organization, uh, that's false. Uh, even from the top down, you know, I'm, I'm an African-American chief, I have an African-American commander, I have a, you know, female lieutenant, you know, who's over, you know, two prominent divisions, um, have a Hispanic, you know, assistant chief. Um, so, again, diversity is, is, is well interwoven within, within this organization and, um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tout that if, if the, the diversity that's represented wasn't qualified and talented. Because again, that's more important to me than just a demographic. Yeah, absolutely. And the city of San Bernardino is a pretty active city. You, yeah. you know, you could say that, we could say that out loud. Um, we, we can say it, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very active city. Yeah, very active city. <laughs> what are kind of like the strategies you're doing to kind of combat some of this crime that's going on? Well, um, to combat 
violent crime or any other crime, uh, you have to be proactive. You know, it's it's there's 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 not a lot of science or research um, that's necessary to understand that if if you have a police department that is only capable or only focused on responding to calls for service, then that means that they're responding after the fact. Right. Crimes already occurred. Yep. The only way that we stop crime, deter crime, or um, suppress crime is by committing resources and committing our effort to being out there before it happens. And that requires proactive policing. Um, and so we've, we've really, really you know, committed ourselves to that, that notion. Um, we have teams, special teams that are out there uh, dedicated you know, to violent crime. We have special teams that are out there dedicated to narcotic enforcement. Uh, we have special teams that are out there dedicated to you know, some of the other nuisances um, that, that are permeating the city. And so I think our proactive approach uh, has paid dividends. Uh, we've, we've recovered you know, over 1,070 guns you know, in, in this last 12 months. Um, and um, the, the you know, narcotic seizures have been you know, more than you know, in recent years. And um, all of that is through proactive policing. And um, I, I can tell you that our, our crime is going down. Uh, it's it's um, significant enough to, that I will probably you know um, boast a little about that you know in our in our next annual report. Mm -hmm. But what what's more important though is that we sustain it. You know, and um, I've I've hesitated to you know publicly um, announce it because I want to see you know that we're sustaining the trend that I'm seeing currently. But I think um, it's safe to say that 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 we will. And, and I think that the approach has been because we've been very proactive. 100%. All right, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, as I look around here in your building here, I see lots of join SBPD. Absolutely. And you said you guys hit that yeah, hard. And, yeah. you know, what, what kind of the, other than, you know, being a really active department, what kind of stuff that, you know, you're, your officers can enjoy here. As, well, as you know, we, we have a, we have a variety of assignments, you know, and that's one of the things that we we like to to talk about in our recruitment. You know, we we have uh, you know special special units that an officer can can work throughout their career. We we have a, a mounted um, you know equestrian unit. We have narcotics, like I mentioned before. We have SWAT. Uh, we have special investigations unit. We have robbery, homicide. Um, I mean, a, a, a litany of, of, of assignments that will provide, you know, variety um, and, and a little bit of diversity in, in career growth. And that's important, you know, because this is a long career, 20, 30 years. So someone working this career wants to be able to have different things that they can do to build their skill sets and also different things that they can do to avoid boredom and burnout. You know, it's, it's hard if you're just doing one thing for that many years. So we're, we're happy that we can offer that, and I believe that it's an attractive component for a lot of young officers that are, especially if they're coming from smaller organizations that don't have those things. I mentioned before that I came from Upland, and Upland doesn't have the ability to offer. Um, no offense, Upland, but you know, they, don't, they don't have the ability to offer those things. You know, so you know, that would make an organization like us very attractive. And the other issue is, um, you know, it also, in addition to those things being good for the officer, you know, it's good for the community. You know, when we have the ability to address crime from a, 
a multitude of levels and using all of those resources to you know, provide a holistic approach to crime fighting, um, it's, it's productive, very productive. Absolutely. And, you know, just for the record, there's not just all the, the, the gang teams and SWAT and all that. You know, you guys also have, you know, community relations. Oh, yes, 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 absolutely. School resource I, I, officers. I'd be remiss that. if I didn't talk about that. I mean, we, we, we are very committed to um, community engagement. You know, in fact, that's, that's one of the staples of my, my um, mission platform. You know, um, you know, community engagement is akin to, you know, good community policing. And community policing is, is just based on the notion that you want to get the community involved in your efforts. You want to get the community involved in, in your mission. So we achieve that by going out um, throughout the different districts that we have. And each district has a district resource officer who's a lieutenant. And they hold uh, regular engagement opportunities, whether it's coffee with a cop, uh, whether it's a, you know, a, a community chat where we'll bring folks in and allow them to hear from one of the different units that I just described so that we explain to them you know, what we do, how we do it, and how it's affecting their particular district. Uh, so that's, that's been very insightful and, and welcome from the community because now we can go out and we talk about the different problems that are happening in the community. We allow folks to share with us experiences that they've had and we come up with, with uh, problem solving um, techniques together. Okay, all right. So you've only been here eight months or so. What, what, what's next on the plate for you? Uh, well, um, to continue the direction that we're going, because I really believe that we're making headway. Um, I, I've, I've found that um, you know, I have tremendous buy-in and tremendous momentum. So I want to capitalize on that momentum to, to make some positive change in the community, to get crime lowered. Um, I'm, I will say that when I arrived here, San Bernardino had recently had an article in the paper uh, or a magazine that described this city as one of the most dangerous cities um, in the state. It's had that reputation for a while. It's had that reputation for a while. Well, I'm, I'm going to boldly say that I want to change that reputation. Um, so there it is. I've said it out loud. You know, my, my goal is to, is to get us um, at least elevated from, from that uh, bottom position. You know, I think that, um, I think that we can do it. I know I have the, the talent and the will in this building to get it done. Irvine, watch out. <laughs> We're coming. Irvine's, Irvine's We're coming. always yeah, there to talk. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We, we, may not get, we may not get Irvine overnight, but we definitely want to at least get, get uh, past Oakland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Hey, Chief, so I appreciate the sit down with you in no, this, uh, in this environment and coming down and, and let me talk to you and, and use your facilities. Really enlightening. Uh, hey, but you're not done yet. I, I did tell you that... Uh, I've got a little trivia game here for you. So um, I'm ready. Add a little technical difficulty. I wasn't going to allow you to see it there on the, uh, on the iPad there, okay. but you're going to have to look at my phone here. Black or blue? 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 Come on. So this is my black or blue game here. Okay. And uh, your category today is a few good men, Chief Goodman. I'm sure you've seen that, that court drama, classic court drama movie. I'm going to show you an actor and you tell me where they in that movie or not. All right. Real easy, okay. right? All right. So here's your first actor here, Kevin Bacon. Was Kevin Bacon in A Few Good Men? Absolutely. He was the uh, prosecutor. That is correct. Yep. He was the prosecutor in that movie. Okay. So you know your movies. All right. Hold on. Hold on. What's, what's my prize? What do I get? 
bragging rights. <laughs> All right. <laughs> bragging rights. All right. Um, how about Julia Roberts? Was Julia Roberts in A Few Good Men? Julia Roberts was not in A Few Good Men. That is correct. She was not in A Few Good Men. All right. Um, how about Morris Chestnut? Was he in A Few Good Men? He was not. He was not in A Few Good Men. That is correct. See? You, you know this movie. I know that movie. Hey, everybody loves this movie. Okay. <laughs> Maybe this one will throw you for a loop. How about Kevin Pollack? Was Kevin Pollack in A Few Good Men? Yes, he was. He oh, was, okay. He was, a, he was co-counsel. Yes, yes, he was. He was co-counsel. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought I was going to trip you up there. No, he, he was in A Few Good Men. Yeah, he was co-counsel. How about uh, Brad Pitt? Was he in A Few Good Men? No, he was not. No, he was not. No, he was not. Um, how about Cuba Gooding Jr.? Was he in it? Oh, wait a minute. No, but the guy kind of looked like him. Oh, that is incorrect, sir. He oh, was in a few good He had a real small oh, part there, but yeah, yeah he was in it. That's he right. Was in that's it. Right. But yeah, I know yeah. you're talking about that other the guy. Other guy yeah, that the other guy that was actually guy. on yeah. trial for it. He, they yep. sort of yep. How about uh, J.A. Preston? Was he in A Few Good Men? He was the judge. He was the judge. Yeah. All right. All right. Only one wrong here for you. A couple more here. How about uh, Demi Moore? She was, in, she was uh, she the other absolutely. attorney. She was absolutely in A Few Good Men. Um, Kiefer Sutherland, was he in A Few Good Men? Yes, he was. He was in there too. All, all the good men were in there, yes. He, he was definitely in there. He was one of the ones charged with the, that code, code red, is right, that they called it? Code yeah, red. Yeah. Were you in the, in the military? No, I no? was not. Okay, no, all right. How about uh, Dustin Hoffman? Was he in A Few Good Men? Wow. I'm going to say no. Oh, yeah, yeah, you got that one right. He yeah, was not. Okay. All right. He was not in a few. That was a, that was a lucky guess. Yeah, I, I couldn't remember. How about uh, Sam Elliott? Man, I love Sam Elliott, so I would have yes. remembered if he was in there, but I don't think so. No, nah, he was not. Yep, you would have remembered him with yeah, that he voice. He was in Tombstone, though. Yeah, he was. That's a great movie too. And how about Tom Cruise? Was he in a few? Good Tom movies? Cruise no, was, we, was we the star of the show. That, that, that was yeah. a gimme right there. <laughs> yeah. uh, got another gimme for you. How about Jack Nicholson? He was the main man. He can't handle the truth. Yeah, he was a few good men. So, he ordered the code uh, red. Yes, you, you aced that one. You only right. got that one wrong. Uh, yeah, a few good men, right. right? So, has anyone beat my score? Nobody's. Well, I think we've had a couple couple perfects. But right. you're almost there. 99%, All right, close enough. 99%. Close enough. I'll take that. <laughs> All right. Hey, how about some words of wisdom for the, for the viewers and listeners before we get you out of here? You know, um, I, I, I don't pride myself to be wise, but I, but I do think that I've lived long enough to, to know a few things that are right and a few things that are wrong. And the one thing I will say is, uh, you know, just to remind people, judge us the way you would want to be judged. And, you know, especially when we're talking about the African-American community, um, I remind them of this all the time. You know, we, we've, we've had a lot of fights uh, for civil rights and for other uh, forms of justice. And one of the things that we don't like, you know, as as a as a as a as a group of people, is to is to be judged all the same. Yep. You know, I don't want I don't want to be considered a thug just because I'm black. You know, I don't want to be considered, you know, um, someone who you know might be you know unemployed or any other negative stereotype. So, as an industry, I would say, judge us accordingly. You know, don't paint us all with with one brush. You know, uh, something that happened in and um, you know Memphis, you know that doesn't you know that doesn't uh, apply to San Bernardino. You know uh, we we are not Memphis. You know we are San Bernardino PD, and so that would be my my words of wisdom if if they are wise indeed is to 
is to have the patience, have the, the, uh, the intelligence to understand that, you know, you judge us by what we do, uh, don't judge us by what others do. Absolutely. And it sounds like you're doing a good job over here. I wish you lots of luck in, I'm trying. in, in your future endeavors, man. Thank and keep, keep it going. Thank, keep going. Thank I appreciate you so much. You. I appreciate your time. I'm glad we finally got, got to do it. Hey, that was an amazing interview I just had with Chief Darren Goodman of the San Bernardino, California Police Department. Chief Goodman, I appreciate you letting us use your beautiful facility out here and talking about your journey into law enforcement and where you see yourself in the next you know, future endeavors of yourself and your department. I really appreciate it. If you guys appreciated this interview as well, hey, make sure you still click those like, subscribe, and bell icons on my YouTube channel. And if you listen to me on your favorite podcast platform, make sure you rate the Black and Blue Podcast five stars. Again, this is the Black and Blue Podcast Street Life version, where I take the podcast out of the studio and into the streets. But till next time, y'all know what to do. Stay black and blue. My name is Dale. I'm out. Peace. This has been a Nature D Entertainment presentation.